Rogue One. Rogue One? There is no Rogue One. Well, there is now. Rogue One. Pulling away. Pulling away. Hey folks, welcome to Rogue One Radio. I am one half of your host team, Steve Long, and with me is Charlie Kirby. How's it going today, Charlie? Uh, ready to Star Wars it up. All right, that is going to be great. We got a uh, fun show planned for today. Uh, we're going to talk about the uh, newest chapter of The Mandalorian. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the new video game that came out a couple weeks ago, The Jedi Fallen Order. Um, and then finishing up our show, we are going to go over our top five list of our favorite expanded universe slash legends characters. Um, so just to let you know, uh, I do want to state that our recap of the Mandalorian will contain spoilers. Uh, so if we get to that point of the show and you have not seen chapter four of the Mandalorian yet, uh, I'm sorry, Chapter 3 of The Mandalorian. Uh, make sure you stop the the podcast and then come back and listen after you've seen it. Um, so, just to talk a little bit about our podcast. This is uh, Rogue One Radio. This is our second episode. Um, we just kind of go over pretty much everything the Star Wars saga has to offer. Uh, but Charlie, where can they find Rogue One Radio on social media if they want to check us out there? Uh, you can check us out uh, on Twitter at Rogue Numerical One Radio. Uh, they can find you at Otter272. Uh, they can find my Twitter at Charles uh, PDK. And we are also on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash rogue numerical one radio great all right so we're going to start off with a little bit of news in the star wars universe to what to what kind of news we've got uh, that has come up on our radars this week uh well as always with star wars we have uh some rumors popping up of course of course uh uh, out of the Hollywood Reporter, who's usually pretty reliable when it comes to uh, when it comes to Hollywood rumors, yeah, um, they were doing a piece about Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, they talked about that. I actually kind of forgot that her contract is up in 2021 which I think is interesting oh. see whether she gets, um, whether she decides to continue with it. Um, so I think, so I think this article points out that, uh, George Lucas put her as head of Lucasfilm before, uh, Disney bought out, bought Lucasfilm. Um, so she's not actually like a Bob Iger handpick, mm. but, I mean, she's worked with Bob Iger in the past. Um, I don't see any reason that they don't have a good relationship. Yeah, I hope uh, she stays. She's, in my opinion, she's made some good decisions so far. I honestly don't know who else you put there, especially if you're Bob Iger. Yeah. Iger. I mean, they've made plenty of money off of it. It's been 
I think, pretty successful as far as what you could expect from a a relaunch of Star Wars. For sure. Yeah. But but I would would expect to see her get that contract renewed uh, unless, you know, she's personally just just doesn't want to do it anymore for whatever reason. Right. But, uh, But like I said, that's probably just some technical business stuff. Um, but, uh, the news is that we're supposed to be getting, hearing from, uh, Kathleen Kennedy about a new Star Wars movie and director in January, uh, January of 2020. And that movie should be releasing in, uh, December of 2022. Yeah. Um, what what do you think? Do you still think that timeline is, uh, I think that timeline is fine because they've, We've really got enough, I think, content uh, to keep us busy until then uh, with all of the TV shows that have been announced and uh, TV shows that have been rumored, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, and then, you know, the cartoons that uh, I'm, I'm assuming there's going to be more animated series that will be forthcoming that have just not been announced. Um, so I think 2022 is a good, uh, a good time for not necessarily to take a break for movies, but just to make sure that what they put out is going to be, uh, is going to be enjoyed by everybody, you know, cause they're ending the star Wars saga so they really need to put a lot of thought into what's next. Yeah, and I think the article also points out that uh, it looks like John Favreau will be sticking around for a while, whether he's actively making something, something, or just uh, I'm not sure what you would call his role. Maybe an advisor or consultant. Yeah. And but um. But I don't know. Favreau has been good so far on oh, yeah. the Mandalorian, For sure. and it's it's not a bad idea. Yeah. Um. But uh, I still kind of question whether they can put something out in that time frame if it's not already being worked on. Because uh, this this particular article makes a point that it's not going to be Ryan Johnson's film, right? Film trilogy, which you know. Again, this is all just like rumors and speculation, which would say to me that it's going to be a, something we haven't heard about yet. Yeah. Well, and there's also, as good as they are at keeping secrets, uh, they, uh, I mean, it's possible that they are working on something right now and just haven't let it slip yet. Yeah. Well, Lucasfilm themselves are actually really tight-lipped, I think, I think about this sort of thing. Yeah. Whenever we get Star Wars leaks, it's always on J.J. Uh, uh, Abrams movies. Yeah. Because he doesn't uh, – he takes his stuff outside of Lucasfilm. I think his editing company is uh, – where is it? Bad Robot? Yeah, it's somewhere different. Okay. I, I want to say Australia, but I think it's somewhere different. Oh. Different, but somewhere in between – working on Lucasfilm and working on his own production companies, just leaks just fly all over the place. Yeah. And I think the fact that Ryan Johnson was working 
just with Lucasfilm and keeping it all internal, that was able to keep it all sort of under wraps. So I imagine Lucasfilm themselves are a pretty tight-knit company. I mean, I yeah. think it's easy to forget, like, how small Lucasfilm is. Yeah. Because prior to that, prior to being owned by Disney, they were probably one of the largest independent studios. Yeah, sure. But, um, but yeah, uh, I, I still have skepticism about the, the 2022 date, but I don't know if this is right. We should be hearing something in, uh, in January, which makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, the next rumor, uh, is uh, more rumors about uh, Disney Plus series. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, I feel like a Disney Plus series rumor, you can just name anything and it would probably make sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, because I've heard rumors of a Darth Maul series in production. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one that you just sent to me, uh, well, I actually just saw it today, but um, if this rumor is true, I have to say that I, I am actually very excited about this, if it's true. Uh, and the rumor is that there is the possibility of uh, Disney Plus doing a Dr. Aphra series. Um, if, if you are not aware or, or just don't know... Uh, Dr. Afra is a character that debuted in uh, the Darth Vader comic series, uh, the one that was written by uh, Gillian. Um, and then after that comic book had its run, uh, Dr. Afra got her own solo comic book series, uh, which is still running. Um, and, and it's actually, it's about to end. I think it ends probably next month. Um, and it's, Dr. Afra is a doctor of archaeology. Um, so it's like a, if they did a show like this, it would be kind of like a, um, like a Star Wars meets Indiana Jones type thing. Um, it- if Indiana Jones had kind of like a con artist streak in him. Right. Right. Cause she is, uh, she's, she's almost closer to a smuggler, like in, in terms of archetypes in some ways. Correct. Yeah. But the stuff she gets involved in tends to be, uh, yeah. Ancient Jedi fact anti yeah, ancient Jedi artifacts and temples and that sort of, right. Uh, fun star Wars stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's actually, um, it's actually my son's favorite star Wars, uh, comic. Uh, And it's probably, if I had to take a guess, I guess I could go ask him, but, uh, (laughs) I, I think, I think Dr. Aphra might be his favorite star Wars character currently. Um, yeah. And, and when I, when I showed him, uh, that tweet that you sent me um, earlier today, he he had quite the uh, reaction. 
So he is also very excited about the possibility of a Dr. Aphra comic book series, as am I. Yeah, I think it. I think as a show, as a Disney Plus show, I think it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I think it could if work. If you're bringing anything out of the comics or books or any all that sort of stuff, yeah, I think she makes the most sense in, really the, in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, for sure. And it could, it could, I could see how it could, in some ways, even tie in with the Mandalorian. I, I think. Because her series is still post, isn't she? Oh yeah, the timeline. I don't know. She, it would make her pretty old, though. I think she'd only be a little bit older because she's concurrent with A New Hope. Because she had yeah. a crossover with the regular that's, Star Wars series. That's that's right. That's right. Yeah. Like post uh, A New Hope. Well, actually, you know what though? She was also in the comic book. Um... She made an appearance in the comic book Galaxy's Edge, uh, which takes place after Jedi. Yeah, so she'd only be so it'd still six be a years poss- older. Yeah, it'd still be a possibility. But but I think if yeah. they're actually going to do this, um, it's going to be a hit. I, I think people will really attach themselves to this character. Um, they really need to be careful with the casting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I think right now you have a lot of people concerned. I think there's there's a, a contingent of people concerned with uh, the male-centric nature of the Mandalorian and yeah. Obi-Wan coming up. And I think Dr. Aphra would be a really good yes. uh, balance, to balance that out. Very, yeah, very good. I think I think you hit the nail on the head there. But uh, but the uh, the next piece of news is just uh, Disney Plus is adding some more control functions, which I'm actually surprised when I read it. I was like, oh, I guess they don't have that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I remember I was watching Mandalorian, and I had to I had to turn off the TV for something. I think we we uh, we probably going out to dinner or something, and then I came back and I was like. Oh wait, I can't continue where I'm watching or was watching. I got to start all over. Uh, so yeah, it's, so, it's good so that weird. they're yeah yeah it's, it's good that they're you know they're evolving. They're it's a brand new service. Um, I'm not sure why they didn't think of these things beforehand, but have you been watching a lot of stuff on there? Besides yeah. the Mandalorian, Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting you mentioned that, and this is uh, going to be a topic of a, of another episode at some point in time. Um, I I think I think I may have mentioned this last week, or maybe I just mentioned it to you. But prior to the release of Disney Plus, I have never watched the uh, animated series Resistance because I never had an avenue to watch it. Oh right, yeah. Um, so I I watched all of uh, season. One. I finally completed all of season one, uh, and I have started season two. Although uh, they don't have season two on the app yet, so I've actually been watching it. I found uh, because I recently, like very recently, like within the last couple of months, we decided to get cable again. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually, so far I have watched 
two episodes of season two, uh, and I I had to watch those on demand. So they have uh, like an on demand type thing, but uh, but yeah, Resistance. I've I've watched all of that on the Disney Plus app. Uh, I've been watching some Clone Wars on the app. I've been watching uh, some Rebels on the app. Um, yeah. Do you watch outside of like the Star Wars stuff? Y- and, yeah. Like, do you watch much of anything else on there? Yeah, I've been watching some of the Marvel stuff. Um, okay. And then just a couple of weeks ago, I think it was, I think it was the week that it was released. Uh, my family and I sat down on a Friday night and watched Willow. Oh, that's right. I think you'd mention that because, uh, yeah, I'm not. Uh, say the only other thing besides Star Wars stuff I've watched on there is they have uh, an Imagineering series. I saw about that. the uh, formation about him coming up with Disney World and the uh, the Imagineers behind it and designing it and getting it open and stuff yeah which is uh which is pretty interesting so far you, you forget like how small Disney was as a company back then yeah like they're actually a lot like um like Lucasfilm in that way yeah but they were just making animated movies that were received well and then all of a sudden he wants to make like a giant amusement park yeah <laughs> park, which at that time wasn't it, it, it's not amusement parks aren't what they are today back yeah then. yeah like I, i've never been to that one I, either one of them i've never been to those um but i'm i'm certainly planning on it now uh with the uh addition of galaxy's edge yeah because yeah, because I was we went during uh, the 2017. Whenever we went to uh, what's it called celebration, celebration, we we went to did Hollywood Studios for a day, pre Galaxy's Edge, but there was still Star Wars stuff there. Yeah, but uh, but it was actually a, I was surprised at how pleasant an experience it was huh. for what I was expecting for like long lines and like annoying people. Yeah, it's really well organized. They designed the lines in such a way that you never just like are staring at a giant line of people. Yeah. Well, there's interesting stuff in the lines as you're moving along. Uh, the crowd flow is really good throughout the park. It never feels uh, crowded or clogged up anywhere. That's good. And it was a it was a really nice experience. I was I was surprised. Yeah, I hope I hope to go go to soon. I. I really want to see Galaxy's Edge, but but, uh, but after that we have uh, comic relaunches coming. Oh, we do. We certainly do. We've got uh, three that I've heard of. Um, we've got the flagship relaunching because the flagship just ended, uh, or will end next month, and then they're going to relaunch it with a new uh, writer. Um, they're relaunching it in January with. Charles Soule taking over writing duties, which I'm pretty happy about. He did the uh, he did the Darth Vader's uh, Dark Lord of the Sith series uh, that ran for 25 issues, and that that series was amazing. Uh, Charles Soule is is one of those comic book writers who um, 
if I find something that he's written, I will pick it up. I don't care what it is. Uh, so to see him go back into Star Wars, I'm, I'm really happy about that. Um, and then the the next one we have is launching February 4th, I want to say. Either 4th or 5th. Uh, and that will be a, another Darth Vader uh, series. Um, taking over writing for that one is going to be uh, Greg Pak who has worked uh, mostly with Marvel. Um, he's done some Hulk. He, he wrote uh, he wrote the world, he shared writing duties uh, on the World War Hulk series. Um, he has done work on X-Men. Um, and he's, he's, he's done a lot of other work. Uh, those, are the, those are the main things that I picked up on. Um, and I, I haven't got the only details that I've been able to find about the Darth Vader comic is that it is kind of taken, uh, the, the timeline is about the same. It's going to match up with the star Wars series. Um, and, and I, I didn't mention this, but the star Wars series, the new one, uh, is going to be taking place between empire strikes back and return of the Jedi. Because the whole first volume of Star Wars took place between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Is that correct? correct? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of... I haven't read it yet because I, I sadly have not been back to the comic book shop in a while. Uh, but from what I have read, the ending of the Star Wars um, comic book takes them to Hoth. So that's uh, so that'll be um, that'll be interesting. I wonder where they're gonna. Cause eventually, they're gonna get back to post Return of the Jedi. Yeah, and in that series, I wonder if they'll they'll be ready to fully flesh out that time period. Yeah, I kind I kind of wonder, you know, if they'll do any sort of uh, like comic book adaptation of the Aftermath series. Yeah, I wonder. Because the the Resistance Rising book uh, is acting as sort of a finale to a lot of the new canon right now. Yeah. They're pulling in characters from like uh, that series and they're pulling in characters from... uh, Battleship or the Battlefront Two game? Yeah, I haven't got a chance to read that one yet. I'm, but uh, I'm I'm actually still in the Aftermath trilogy. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah I do wonder if they'll if they'll keep continuing with those characters characters yeah. afterward. I kind of have a feeling they'll just sort of do a soft reboot after uh, Rise of Skywalker. Okay, and just like bringing in new characters and new stories yeah. in a different time I, frame. Yeah, I could see them doing that. But uh, um, but yeah, is uh, is Doctor? Do you know anything about the timeline for Doctor Afra? Is that going to be I jumping have, up the time frame too? Well, that's our yeah, that's our next uh, comic relaunch. That one will be relaunched in um, April. 
I haven't got a whole lot of information about it regarding when it's going to take place. Um, I just know it's it's launching in April, uh, or relaunching in April with a new number one, and it will be written by Alyssa Wong, um, who hasn't done a whole lot that I was able to find as far as comic books. Uh, she did a comic book for, or she's currently doing a comic book for Marvel called Arrow, uh, A-E-R-O. Um, but other than that, she is mostly... Uh, just, uh, um, for lack of a better term, a traditional writer. Yeah, it looks like she's, she's done a lot of speculative fiction. Mm-hmm. And she's worked with uh, Blizzard on the Overwatch game. Game oh, okay. as a story writer there. Okay. There, that was in 2018. Uh, so, I mean, she's relatively uh, new to this space, as you can say. Yeah, so sort of. it, it'll be interesting to see how she does and what her take on uh, Dr. Afro looks like. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if, uh, you know, if this is where they're going to take that character if they do uh, a Disney Plus series. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I wonder if they'll do a completely new story or if they're going to borrow from her original run. I mean... You know they want to just throw in Darth Vader, yeah. just so, yeah, <laughs> just so they can. So yeah, I wonder if they'll make it just her, or if they'll do sort of like a a kind of Darth Vader series, sort of based on her introduction in there in that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That original Darth Vader comic. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff to think about with that. Yeah, there's a lot of ways they could go. Um. But that's but, uh, uh, that's really it for for news, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. I think we'll move on to the the main topics. Yeah. So I, I guess our first topic you wanted to talk about. Uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, Fallen Order uh, video game. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm playing it on PC. Are you playing it on? Um, I, I'm on the PS4. Okay. How's that experience? Of, is the uh, having any glitches or graphical problems? Um, I have not. No, I have not had any graphical problems or any glitches. Uh, what I will say um, is that the load time is a little bit long. Yeah. Um, but other than that, like the gameplay is good. Uh but no, I haven't had. I th- I think maybe, maybe once the game froze on me, but not so much in a way that I had to stop the game, and reload or anything. I just had to wait it out, and and the and the the freeze only lasted maybe twenty seconds. It was just enough for me to notice, like, hey, the game's frozen. Yeah, I have what I would I would consider a mid-range gaming PC. Yeah. And I've been playing it okay. I've had a little bit of uh stuttering, but I also try to stream it to my TV. Uh, TV through the Steam app and that's that's always a little questionable. Yeah. But uh well, how have you felt about it playing it so far? I think we're both um three planets in about yeah, um, I have been to, 
I guess the first planet that you go to is ba- Badonga or, you know, I can't even remember the name of the planet. Uh, we know what you're talking about. Yeah. And then, and then you go to, um, Zepho. Uh, and then after that you go to Kashyyyk and then back to Zepho, <laughs> which I believe is where you're at. Yeah, I'm on my second trip to Zepho. Okay, yeah. So so I have actually finished my second trip to Zepho, um, and then after that I went back to Kashyyyk. Yeah, and, I would say story-wise it feels like we're probably about a fourth of the way through. You, you could probably be right. I, I've heard, have heard from some folks that have said that the, the, the story itself is actually not very long. Oh, so we may so be. So we could be halfway through. Okay. Um, All right, yeah, I, so I really I do like the gameplay. Um I like the uh kind of the parkour aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Um and and how I was having a conversation with somebody uh earlier this week about the game and it kind of reminds me of kind of a cross between Assassin's Creed Uncharted and uh, Force Unleashed. Yeah, and I've I've heard a lot of people talk about Dark Souls with it as well. I've never played that one, so yeah. it, it has a parry system. That's okay. about. Okay. I think that's what most people uh, think about Dark Souls. Yeah, but the the combat is really good. Um, some of the combat sequences, um, when when he's fighting, you know, just random. Stormtroopers and and some of the the boss scenes uh, kind of remind me a little bit of of some of the combat scenes in uh, the Batman Arkham series. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, you know, I, I do like the gameplay. I am really liking the story. Um, story element to it is for me is with a video game is very important. If, if a game doesn't have a story, uh, I, I tend to not play those games. Like, like my son really likes, um, overwatch, uh, and, and gameplay wise, it does look like a really cool game. I'm just not really that interested in it because there, there's not really any linear story to it that I can tell. Yeah. It, it's kind of why I haven't been able to get into the Battlefront games. Yeah. I've just I've never just been like a a shooty shoot 'em guy. Yeah, same here. Now, um have you played Battlefront 2 though? Yeah, I I bought that to play the campaign. Okay, yeah, cuz that one does have it and that was the only reason I bought it. Um, cuz I, I will say like when I originally bought Battlefront the original one, I had heard nothing about it. Mhm. Uh, so I did not know it was just a multiplayer game. So I bought it, got it home. I was pissed. I was like, I have no desire to play this game. I can't believe I bought it. And yeah, yeah I was I was pretty mad. And then, you know, they announced the new Battlefront. And I'm like, nope, not interested. Uh, until I had heard, you know, there's actually going to be a story mode. And I was like, okay, now I got to get it. Uh, yeah, I waited a little while for the for the price to go down. Same here. 
and then I just played as I think it's only like a six hour campaign. Yeah, it's not very big. Uh, but um, but so far, yeah, I think the gameplay on uh on Fallen Order is really great. Um, I think before or I've talked about um, I had some trepidation with the uh, the story, Ori, and the setting. Yeah, because I'll say right now it feels it feels very uh, Re- Star Wars Rebels to me. Yeah. Yeah, I can get that. I get that. We're in the same sort of time period. We have a Padawan. Well, I think it's earlier than Rebels. Probably, yeah. I think you're probably right. But it's still that uh, post-Revenge of the Sith, yeah. pre-A New Hope time frame. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Overall, it's it's the same time period, but it's not as close to um, New Hope as, as Rebels is. Because I, yeah. I think this one... I think this Pretty one close. takes place about five years after uh, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, because I think he, I think our main character is probably uh, Cal is probably about the same age as Kanan. Kanan was whenever uh, uh, yeah. Order sixty six hits. Yeah, I, I I probably agree with you on that. Um, and they they he and Kanan feel kind of similar. Yeah, similar as far as just like origin, at least. Yeah, just yeah. And as and as much as they're a Padawan, or six six hits, they run out. Uh, he becomes a scrapper. I think Kanan hangs out with a uh, a smuggler or something. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to knock us off course with the with the game here. But sp- speaking of Kanan, did you read the Kanan um, comic book? Yes. Okay. Okay. So yeah, yeah, a smuggler, right? Yeah, I read the Canon comic book and I read uh, Rise of Dawn, Dawn, which is like the pre uh, Star Wars Rebels novel. Uh, I haven't even heard of that one. Oh, crap! Uh, I got another book I need to read. <laughs> but that—that's where uh, Ray Sloan's character is introduced. Is in that? Oh, novel. Admiral Sloan, you're talking about? Admiral Sloan. Well, now Admiral Sloan. Yeah. yeah. Huh? Why have I not heard of that one? Uh, that was pretty early. Man, I've got so much I still need to read. <laughs> that was like one of the first books to come out from the new canon stuff. Oh, okay. When they started. Because, I mean, they started off with, uh, that, that Star that Luke's, the Luke Skywalker novel. Uh, Heir to was, the Jedi? Which was really just a Legends novel that just didn't interfere with anything, so they just added yeah. It launched it with the new canon stuff. See, and I thought Aftermath was the first ones that came out after that. Uh, when it... They they were the first ones that were uh, post-Return of the Jedi. Okay. And everyone expected them to be like, to fill in all the blanks. All the blank space between uh, Return of the Jedi and uh, The Force Awakens. Obviously and they're not. Like, no, why they're not going to do that? I don't know why people thought that. I think they advertised it a little bit like that, and that was anyway. That's a whole different thing. Yeah. So back to but, Fallen uh, Order. Um, yeah, the the time period is is after about five years, I I think after Order sixty six, and it follows the story follows uh, a Padawan who's been in hiding, who um, and then gets discovered. 
gets discovered. We're meeting uh, the brothers and the Inquisitors again. Um, we still have that mix of like prequel era ship, prequel era stuff, and uh, yeah, original trilogy era stuff. Yeah, and like it's not. Yeah, I think it's just like a time period that I'm kind of over as far as like new canon stuff like i feel like they've kept us there for a long time i'm and i i have i'm sure like when they started this game that's all they were given clearance to work within yeah it was that time frame but you know the story that they're doing i think is still cool like i really love jedi temples yeah was and stuff um just mowing down stormtroopers is really really fun yeah uh but yeah i think when you talk about the uncharted series i think you're talking sort of like the platforming elements of it yeah which i thought i which i thought i wouldn't like but are actually kind of fun mm-hmm. but so far and a lot of the pu- puzzle solving yeah that, that's all that's a lot of fun see now i'm not as uh tired of that era as you are mm-hmm. um which now that i think about it it's kind of interesting that i'm not and the, and the reason i mean my uh the the star wars role-playing game that i am currently running takes place mm-hmm. uh in that era um uh, because that's the area that i wanted to explore um but yeah i i do like that era um and yeah i, I guess i'm I'm a little amazed that I'm not tired of it already. Uh, but, yeah. I'm, I, yeah, I'm actually starting to get more, uh, for lack of a better term, interested uh, or more, I guess, more engaged with the time period between uh, Jedi and Force Awakens. And a lot of that has to do with, with having watched uh, Resistance. Uh, oh, yeah. But yeah, the, the, this game, I, I do like the story. I do like the almost archaeological element to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I am engaged with this character that I'm playing, so that's, that's good. Uh, I think he's a good character. Um, I, I don't know if you, uh, if you had ever watched the TV show Gotham. Uh, no, but I'm I'm familiar with it. But the yeah the character uh, or the actor that plays or does the voice of Cal uh, was the actor who played uh, the character Jerome, who essentially is the Joker. Uh, oh, okay. In Gotham, so for the first few hours of playing the game, I had to kind of get through that because I was like, this is just weird. Because you hear the voice of Jerome, um, and then not only that, the character, Cal, actually looks a little bit like Jerome. So it's a little like, oh, this is weird. It's just just a little weird to watch the Joker as a Jedi. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that makes uh, sense. But yeah, you get past that and, and you know, all the stops you get and you get to upgrade your, your lightsaber and you get to upgrade your poncho you know, and uh, and uh, 
there's just a lot. Um, there's you know there's not really a lot going on with the game. It's not nearly as open world as other games I have played in the past. Um, it is open world, but only to an extent. Mm-hmm. Like you can go anywhere you want, but you're not going to get anything done. Well, they have uh, the gameplay is very uh, non-linear. Yeah, in that you're sort of going back, you're going back over places basically you've been to to, to discover new routes, yeah, and new paths. Yeah. You can go off the path and find some weird stuff over to over there. Yeah, but yeah, but you're not going to walk from one planet to the next. Right. Next. Yeah, you are. Right. You have a sort of a central hub on your ship, and you have multiple little planets that you're visiting. Yeah. But uh, but I I like that. I open full big giant open worlds can overwhelm me sometimes. I could see that, yeah. Sometimes, so I like being kind of guided along a path in a story. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I the gameplay is just really fun. The lightsaber combat is really good. Yeah, um, agreed. You're not quite as like you're not just a just a death machine. Right, like you are in uh, in Force Unleashed. Right, right. You have to you have to use some tactics. You have to think a little bit about mm-hmm. when to parry and when to where to move and stuff. Exactly. So that's, yeah. I think that's really fun. Um, yeah, like I still probably wouldn't rank it as my favorite Star Wars game ever. Like I still think Knights of the Old Republic just does some like really amazing stuff sure yeah but i agree but you know gee whiz this is our first like story driven star wars game in in a long time in a long time unless you count battlefront 2 and and that's and that's just a campaign on a multiplayer game yeah to be to be blunt about it and yeah it feels really good feels really fun this feels like the type of game that should have come out, you know, five years ago. But oh, sure, yeah. I'm glad it's here now. Yeah, it's good. And I, yeah, I the first time I heard about it was uh, at this year's celebration, and uh, I got you know they had the uh, the panel for it and uh, got to see previews and and um, yeah, so I was I was excited to hear about it. Now, what what would you say so far in the game has been your favorite moment? Like as far as the story goes, because um, I, I I have one favorite moment is probably still like one of the opening scenes where Cal is still at the scrapyard and you look over and it is just you're seeing a big mix of generations of ships yeah. ships out there and it. It kind of calls back to I don't know I don't know what music is playing during that moment, but it feels like it calls back a little bit to uh, to Luke on the to Luke on his ranch looking at the twin suns. Oh yeah, twin sunset, and uh, it's just a uh, it's just a cool moment moment just visually and graphically. Really, but I, I don't know if I have like I don't know if I experienced anything so far that was like mind-blowing yet 
Well, I mean, my favorite moment, I wouldn't say is mind blowing, but I, I really geeked out over it. Um, and that would be, uh, like fairly soon after you arrive at Kashyyyk Mm -hmm. and, and you are riding that, uh, or you're, you know, you're controlling the, uh, the Imperial Walker. Mm-hmm. And out of nowhere, Saw Gerrera pops up in your windshield. <laughs> like a, uh, and I like was a like, Star Tours ride? Yeah, I was just like, oh my gosh, Saw Gerrera. Yeah, this is awesome. Because, I mean, I mean any anytime you throw Saw Gerrera at me, I'm probably going to geek out. Because, by far, probably one of my favorite characters. Yeah, another tie-in with Rebels that it has similar is right, an right. appearance by Saw Gerrera. Right. Who originally, her... yeah, who originally showed up in Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, he, so it had his partisans in there. <laughs> at some point in this game is going to be like, going to ask Cal to just like murder an entire village of people or something. Well, he did, he did ask Cal to join the partisans because they were, he was like, you, you know, the partisans can use a Jedi um, but he, you know, he declined. He's like, I've, I've got my mission. I have to take care of first. Yeah. Well, I mean, Saw as a character exists as a, um, as a measure to show where a character draws the line yeah. of how far they'll go. Yeah. So I, I, I imagine we're going to see him in the future part of the game, ask Cal to, to draw, to cross a line that, uh, that he will not want to cross. So I'm just going to see yeah. how much how much murder is. I, well, I have Saw no problem. Yeah, I have no problem with Saw Gerrera showing up in the game again. I I don't care in in what aspect. <laughs> no, I no, I'm just yeah. Yeah, no, I I like him. I think I yeah, I think he's interesting. And his voice is uh, Forrest Whitaker doing the voice acting for he, him. He is. Yeah. 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 Always, always glad to have Forrest Whitaker. Oh yeah, and yeah. if he doesn't, if he doesn't claim, uh, call out Cal for any lies, deceptions, <laughs> I'll be very, I'll be very upset. <laughs> maybe we'll what? get the origin of Borgullet in this Ooh, game. Maybe. <laughs> so I imagine we'll probably, um, probably when we're done playing the game, we'll talk about it on the show a little bit more. Um, but yeah, we just want to want to do our, our kind of our first thoughts on the game. Yeah, I think, yeah, well, once we finish the story, we'll talk about the full scope of the story and where it goes, Sure, goes and its impact on, uh, the canon as it is on the saga as a whole. Right. Um, which brings us to our recap portion of chapter three. Of the Mandalorian. So again, if you have not watched Chapter Three of the Mandalorian, you need to stop the podcast, go watch it. Why haven't you watched it already? Um, and then come back and listen because this will contain full spoilers. So now that we got that out of the way, um, before we we go into detail, overall, your impression of the episode. Um, it is, is a big uptick in action and plot. 
from Agreed. from the last episode. Agreed. And uh, definitely, uh, definitely, really, really exciting turning point in the series. Yeah, for me, this was the best episode yet. Um, it just there was a lot. There was so much going on in this chapter that just yeah. I was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh god. Um, so kind of starting, starting it out. So he, he starts off. He's in his ship. Um, obviously on his way back to whatever planet that is, where the guild is, uh, and the place where he he got the commission for the job. Um, I thought the, the 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 part in the ship was funny when he's when he's telling the telling the child that he you know that's not a toy <laughs> uh trying to play with you know a piece of his ship <laughs> wow he does the thing that I used to do was uh, unscrew the uh unscrew <laughs> the knob on the yeah. on the shift stick yeah so that was good and then uh of course he makes it to the planet um I'm a little surprised that he didn't get attacked uh getting off the ship right away. Um he he actually makes it to the uh um the place where the former imperial guy is at. Mm-hmm. Um turns in the turns in the child and uh you get a you get a little bit of whimpering from the child, which was kind of sad. Uh, kind of got me in the fills there. Um, and you know, they're, they're very excited to see that their packages arrived and takes his money, uh, or, or, or in this case is Beskar steel. Uh, he does ask what they're going to do with them. And the guy's like, that's very uncharacteristic of you to ask that. And, uh, and then goes on his merry way. So to speak. And to note, uh, he gets his Baskar steel carried in Wilro Hood's ice cream maker. Yes, yes. The intergalactic ice cream maker makes an appearance. And we know what it is. It's a, it's a safe. Yeah. So, I mean, that's canon now. He yeah. He was running off with something, running off with a pretty light safe, actually. If you can just yeah. carry it under your arm and run. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was good. So, you know, they, they, uh, doctor checked him out, you know, checked out the child and, um, as he's carting him away again, uh, the, the little guy, you know, tiny, um, whimpers, which, which again is a little sad. Uh, so he leaves, um, and then from there. Uh, what I thought was was one of the uh, first really exciting parts of the episode uh, when he goes back to the Mandalorian hideout. Um, and then you kind of find out that it is, in fact, a hideout. Uh, because the, the, you know, they show they show more Mandalorians other than just him and the armor and they get into a little bit of a scuffle. Um the 
the other Mandalorians are, are seem to be a little upset that he was working for the Empire. Um, so that, uh, I, I found that interesting because I always had, you know, I always had this, this feeling that, uh, you know, the Mandalorians and the Empire were not the best of friends because <laughs> they, I mean, they basically destroyed their planet. Um, and you know, this is a, this is a, uh, one of the, another time where you, you get the, you were given the impression that. Mandalorians and the Empire are not the best friends. <laughs> yeah, and like I think we can see. Um, I think we were talking about it in the first episode, where he doesn't take he doesn't want the Imperial credits, right? And we were wondering, is that just is that purely economic, or does he have some real animosity towards the Empire? Yeah, and I wonder if he just he knows he would get some flack if he brought back. Imperial credits. Imperial credits. Yeah, they're not that necessary. Yeah, but uh, and this is also, I think we also learn that uh, they're basically in hiding, and they only send one Mandalorian out at a time. Right. And for right now, it is our titular Mandalorian who is uh, going up and doing bounties and collecting for the clan. Right. Uh, yeah, saving money for the foundlings. Um, so they get into a little bit of a scuffle, and then the uh, over the fact that he was doing a job for the Imperials, uh, and then the armor kind of stops everything, and uh, you know, so it t- tells them you know the Empire is gone, um, and stops the fight, and and then they go with uh. One of the uh, one of the quotes that makes its way through throughout the episode, and, and this is the way um, making making the Mandalorian seem like more more of a cult than just a culture. <laughs> well, they, they become very uh, uh, what was what was the race the Klingons? Yeah, <laughs> sound, sound a bit Klingon. Yeah, so closer to Klingons. Yeah, with their uh, the weird witch rituals and yeah, yeah. Um, so he leaves there and goes to uh, the cantina where um, Carl Weathers is at, and I, I can't remember his character's name. Uh, I feel dumb. Uh, anyway, Carl Weathers' character and oh, yeah. and they have. A discussion, and um, you find out that that his character also made a pretty good penny out of this uh, out of this deal, um, revealing that he, in fact, also got some Beskar armor out of it, or Beskar uh, steel rather. Uh, and then, and this is where you also find out that there were a lot more bounty hunters after this. Uh, quarry and were unable to as he said seal the deal um which which i thought was weird i assume that it's just like uh werner herzog just didn't trust any of them until the mandalorian came along yeah maybe the mandalorian 
because they they kind of gave him a general location, and I don't. It's not like they were all running to that general location, right? I thought I don't know. It, that that seemed a little, or maybe logistically maybe, odd. Maybe they got to that location and either they number just... either number one the uh, uh, the Ugnat wouldn't help them. Uh, or they got to that place and couldn't make it in. Oh, and they just they, bugged they, out. They, yeah, they were just not skilled enough, so they're like, well, you know, let's just try this another time kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah, you're right, because the Ugnaught does keep does say that there's just a bunch of weirdos that keep showing up. Yeah. Up and getting into fights. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so then he gets a new job. Uh, he gets sent to a, a water planet, from what I from what I can tell, uh, to retrieve the uh, a, basically a, a bell jumper, which seems to be most of the jobs that get laid out. Um, and then he leaves, and at this point, like the first time I watched the episode, I really thought I was like, "Oh, this this is it, huh? He's just gonna leave." Um. But he doesn't. He at the last minute, you know, he's he's got a ship going, and and uh, and then he just turns it off because he's he's having he's having a moment. <laughs> um. So he goes. He goes. He, he you know he shuts down his his ship, goes back to uh, where the Imperials are at. Which at this point, I don't know any other way to describe them. I mean, they all seem like they're former Imperials. Yeah. Uh, Imperial remnants. Um, so, I, I guess this would bring up a question that I had while watching not only this episode, but the original one. Um, like, would you say that this takes place before Aftermath or after? I would have to guess before after uh either during or before aftermath okay because the the third novel in that series is the battle of jakku yeah which is where basically almost all the remaining uh empire uh, imperial empire for imperial forces meet and just sort of blow each other up okay so okay so you've got these imperial remnants uh, he go, he goes back to their to their little cubby hole, and um, you know he takes out some stormtroopers and finds the uh, finds the scientist, and he's all you know like what are you doing to him? And the scientist is like no, I'm keeping him alive, and uh, and then Mandalorian just disappears with the with the with the child. Um, you know, fights uh, fights some more stormtroopers, uses those amazing whistling birds to take out a large chunk of them. Um, you you don't ever see the client again at this point. Um, the only person that you see, other than the stormtroopers, is the scientist, uh, who obviously does not put up much of a fight, um, and so he leaves. And then at that point, they cut to the cantina, and 
everybody's tracking fob is going off. Everybody. Uh, so he has been marked. And he's on his way to his ship. And all of these bounty hunters uh, show up. Um, and begin a uh, begin a little battle in the streets. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pretty uh, big. Yeah. Uh, fight with uh, Carl Weathers as sort of the ringleader. Yeah. Yeah. And you have, um, so he does show up and grief Karga is his name. That's, that's what it is. Uh, so grief Karga shows up and he's like, let's negotiate. And, and you know, that doesn't happen. And it's just a larger fight. And then you get to a point where, uh, you know, you think, all right, Mandalorian's outmatched. He's, he's done for. And then comes the coolest part of the episode that I thought <laughs> the most amazing part of the episode is when, uh, just a, a group, like a, I, I don't know what you'd call it, like a squad of Mandalorians show up. The Mandalorians that he, he, uh, had had gotten into a little bit of a disagreement with earlier, they all show up on his side. And so I want to, I want to, I want to stop with the play by play there for a second. And like, what, what did you think about this as far as significance of the series? Um, yeah, because it's definitely something that I know a lot of people wanted was the Mandalorians and jetpacks yeah. not just fly straight into a ship and fall into a pit to die forever. Yeah. Um, and I think for the most part they looked pretty good. Like it kind of makes it makes sense that you would use those for uh, for a leveraging advantage. Yeah. Advantage to fire missiles and get a and get a good perspective. Um, there is one part at the end of the show that I, that I thought was weird, weird that, um, but I think like, I'm kind of confused on if they're, if they're defending him, I guess they're just assuming that he's doing the right, that he's doing the right thing. That's what I get. He's like, okay, we're, we're bros. We got to together yeah it's like a tribal thing you know they're i mean they realize that he's about to get taken out by these people and uh they can't let that happen because yeah they are very they're obviously very secretive and uh grief Karga said we're gonna kill you and we're gonna strip you for your parts they can't have that because if they strip him of his parts, that also means they're going to take his helmet off. And that is obvious. I mean, that has been, it's been very clear in the show that taking off your helmet is, is a no, no, you, you don't do that. So yeah. if you, you don't reveal who you are to anybody, uh, other than each other, um, and so if they're going to strip him of his parts, they're going to remove his helmet. And the Mandalorians can't have that. So there's that. And then there's that sense of 
uh, tribal unity. You know, they're, they're taking out one of our guys. We, even though we disagree with them, he's still one of us. Uh, so there's that aspect. Um, and then there's the aspect of, okay, he turned on the people that we didn't want him working with in the first place. So, okay, he's, he's good with us now. Oh yeah. That makes sense. That there, um, which, which kind of, uh, and, and the reason I get that idea is, is moving on. Okay. So the Mandalorians fight, uh, you know, they take out, I'm guessing all of the bounty hunters and he makes his way, you know, they tell him to get to his ship. He gets to his ship uh, after after shooting Grief Karga, takes off, and then you see the solo Mandalorian uh, with his jetpack uh, kind of salute him. Um, so that that's where I got the idea that, okay, maybe they're, they're good with him now because he's turning against the Empire, essentially. And, yeah. And at you this think... point, if if there are any other... like He's never going to work with Imperial Remnants again because of this. They're not, they're not going to hire him. Well, I, he's if, not going to be working with the Bounty Hunters Guild after no, this. No, he won't be working with the Guild either. Um... But for sure, uh, the Empire's never going to hire him for anything. Yeah. Well, it's also like... It also just kind of feels like they were hiding at that point for not a real good reason. Because, like, if the Empire is in control, then, yeah, you want to hide whatever is left of you. Yeah. But at a certain point, it becomes... You know, why are you still hiding? Hiding if the Empire is gone. Yeah. You know, it's probably time for them to sort of to come out and start rebuilding. Well, and right now they, they I mean, they are trying to rebuild, but they're doing so in secret. Yeah. Uh, until they get better numbers because the, uh, it was it. Yeah, I think it was this episode when they when they said. Um, our strength was in numbers. Yeah. Well, now they can go back to presenting their numbers, though. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's probably it's probably better that they're now out in the open. Yeah. And they can sort of roam, roam around as a pretty elite gang of yes bounty hunters or hired guns, whatever they decide to do. Yeah. Like um, they don't. They don't really need the guild to do what they do. <laughs> uh, I I found the flying by the window and saluting I thought was like a little weird. Like a little hokey maybe. Yeah. yeah. Like it feels like like a Star Wars version of like a Top Gun. <laughs> Top Gun like they're flying next to each other in their jets and like uh- the act itself, yeah, I'd have to agree, was a little bit hokey. Uh, but as far as what it did for the store, the overall story, I was fine with it. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I can't. I don't know how else you would express that besides like a nod. So you know, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. It, um, now, interestingly enough, that that character that saluted him, um, 
<coughs> excuse me, um, was the was the main one he was fighting with earlier, um, which is is uh, I mean that that was what they were going for. But what I wanted to say specifically about that character is that that character was credited with a name. Um, and that character's name was Paz Vizla. Um, and interestingly enough, Paz Vizla was voiced by John Favreau. Who voiced, uh... Who voiced pre-Vizsla yes. in The Clone Wars. So, there was there was something I read earlier this week, uh, or, or earlier this weekend, where somebody said, um, was this a, was this a typo? And it's like, I seriously doubt that John Favreau or, and the other showrunners would have made this kind of mistake in, and that they're just using this person's name because they are introducing the family clans again. Uh, yeah, what do they mean by like it being a, a mistake? Like it's like, supposed to be pre-Vizsla or is like, it yeah. name at all? Yeah, that's what they were saying. Was it a mistake? Was it supposed to be pre Vizsla? And I, I, you know, I thought thought you know I read that and I thought about it and I'm like, no, I, I don't see how that could have been a mistake. I don't see how they could have made that mistake. Did he and even survive Clone Wars? I don't think he did. I thought he died with uh, what's his face wait, Maul or something. Or wait, but anyway, I, I, if not, then I, I, I think he died in. If not the Clone Wars, I think he died in Rebels. Was was that not the was that not the uh, uh, character that Sabine fought with the dark saber? I, I don't I remember don't now. Believe got, so. I got to go back to that season. Um, but um, in any case, I, I think it's interesting that he's introducing family names. Yeah. Albeit he did it kind of on the sly because he just put it in the credits, <coughs> but uh, but yeah, John Favreau did that, and I, I I thought that was cool, a cool little nod to the the Mandalorians from from Clone Wars. Um, and then, um, as far as the you know recap goes, I mean that's kind of. There's not really a whole lot more to say about it. Uh, there's now there is one interesting thing of uh, whether you want to call it uh, you know historical significance or not. But um, Deborah Chow, who directed this episode, um, this if I'm if my memory serves me correctly, um, this is the first female that has ever directed a Star Wars project. Gee whiz. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And that is, I mean, that's, that is disturbing while at the same time amazing. Yeah. Uh, Because the first woman to direct a Star Wars project just knocks it out of the park. Because this, I mean, 
not ju- not just story element wise, but this this episode, this chapter was amazing. The cinematography was amazing. Uh, just it just it was a great episode, and and how it was filmed, and she definitely made um, a good mark on it. Uh, a very interesting mark on the series and in the star Wars saga as a whole. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. This is probably the most exciting episode so far. Um, I still have a lot of like, I still have a lot of feels for the the second episode. Yeah. Um, Just because of the, the visuals and the pace and the tone, but this was, yeah. For as much action that had to happen here, for what I imagine was the budget and time restraints, yeah, it's all really good. I feel like you can see everything. Uh, you understand space and what's happening. Yeah, it doesn't feel like cut up real bad. Right. It, she just and, did a really good job. And yeah. and interesting enough. Um, Deborah is uh, who is going to be in charge. I'm not sh- sure in what aspect, but I know she's going to be taking a lead role in the Kenobi TV series. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's going to be that series is going to be in good hands just based off this episode that I saw. Uh, I think she is definitely going to. Uh, I, I I can't wait to see her Star Wars future. <laughs> Uh, see what she brings, what more she brings to the table. Uh, now, uh, as far as the episode or the series as whole, I, I did read that uh, Gina Carino will finally make her debut in the next episode. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to her character. Same, yeah. I, I think uh, I, I, I think she looks really good. Yeah, good in the role. Um. I think she's that type of role. She's she's really good at is uh, you know a big tough. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what she brings to the story, and and seeing her character develop. I I really am. Um, because if they are, if they're because now he's on the run, and if he's going because we've heard from that she's an ex uh, rebel shock trooper. Yeah. Not, so I wonder if he's looking at rebel factions for some sort of protection mm. or because I don't think he can go I don't know, because because we've learned in this episode that the New Republic is a thing. Yes. That they're just they just don't have uh, jurisdiction in the outer rims where where they are. Yeah. Which I assume are still run by like. Uh, some sort of hut, or still run by like hut cartels Warlords, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, and then, of course, the New Republic is apparently a joke. <laughs> yeah, well, it's probably because I, I would guess this is pretty soon after Return of the Jedi, so it's probably still pretty young and pretty. Uh, uh, still, a lot of little factions arguing and bickering yeah. about how to set things up. So I think yeah. even in even in the uh, the blo- uh, Bloodlines novel, which is supposed to be five years before the Force Awakens, the New Republic was still just 
didn't have everything together at that point. Yeah. So I can only imagine what it's like right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, the only other thing of, if you want to call it significance, that I read about this series uh, is Dave Filoni had made a comment about, like somebody asked him if Boba Fett was going to show up in the series. And he actually said there's always the possibility uh the the exact quote uh at some point in that that interview was it would be hit hypocritical for the guy that helped bring Darth Maul back to life to say that somebody can't survive a sarlacc pit um i would be 100% completely fine if boba fett does not show up in this series where does he even fit? Like, I don't know. It just mm-hmm. feels like... Well, he's not a Mandalorian. Not a Mandal- he's a clone of... I'm like, I'm wiping my hands on my face as I just go over his backstory. It's, he's like, Who he is in relation to, like, the Mandalorian. And I it's mean, just a mess. <laughs> his, his pre... His pre-prequel origin, uh, what we did hear about it, was fine. I liked it. Uh, but now we actually have an origin that's, that's canon. It's a horrible origin, but yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's not a Mandalorian and he's, he's the genetic clone of a guy who, um, essentially stole the Mandalorian armor. So I, I don't, I think if, if, Boba Fett were to show up, I can't imagine that it would be on the Mandalorian side. Not only because he's not a Mandalorian and he's got stolen armor, but including not just that, but he's he's openly <clears throat> worked for the Empire on several occasions. Yeah. And it's just... It's just there's there's no reason for him to be in the show. Well, it's it's either a passing cameo, which would I think would feel cheap. Yeah. Or you integrate him into the story somehow. And I just I just don't know. I just don't see how it's necessary. Short of allowing the Mandalorian to kill Boba Fett <laughs> as like a All right, that's over. Here I am now, yeah. type of thing. But uh, but even in well, I don't know I don't know how much this counts. I think it's heavily implied in the aftermath novels that his armor is found afterwards, and people are just sort of wearing it, hmm. sort of passing his armor around. But it's I like I don't know. I guess I haven't gotten to that point in the story. <laughs> It's one of the uh, the flat. There's a it's like those little uh, vignette flashback things. Oh, okay, things that happen in between the story. Gotcha. Um, it's yeah. No, I, I just don't fine. see it. I don't find it necessary. And and I'm not going to say. I mean, I like Boba Fett as a character, as as little screen time as he got. Um, I I I like. Well, I liked him before the prequels. Let's put it that way. Uh. I like Boba Fett, but I just, I don't, 
see him as necessary for the story. And, and I think, if anything, it would kind of take away... Uh, well, what anyone wants from Boba Fett, they're getting in The Mandalorian already. Yeah. What they want is like a cool bounty hunter story, and they're getting that. Yes. A Boba Fett story post-prequels is like, I don't know, I think it's nonsense. Yeah. It's yeah. not, you're not getting into Mandalorian stuff because he's not really a Mandalorian. Yeah. And you're now, not going to... Now, aside it, from any Mandalorian history, I would... I would like to see some of his story between Order 66 and, uh, you know, before he shows up in New Hope. I'd like to see some of that story, but it's not part of this story. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but, yeah, we'd be talking, like, some really straight-up, like, bad guy stuff. Yeah. Which I think would probably fit better into probably a comic than mm. a Disney Plus series. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Be- because even as like some of the violence that we've seen in this series so far, it's still pretty uh, morally straight. Like I don't think our our lead character has made any sort of morally questionable choices, choices or anything. Right. I, he's he's pretty <laughs> he's pretty uncompromised as yeah. a, as a protagonist, which I think again when you're talking about the popular like shows and movies and stuff when it comes to Star Wars, yeah. I think it's probably appropriate. Yeah. So that's the stuff that's most likely to be consumed by uh by kids. <laughs> like I don't think we need to see, you know, Boba Fett murdering a bunch of Ewoks <laughs> on Disney Plus channel. Yeah. Um. So I I'm, I guess that's all we have for our Mandalorian recap. Um. Unless there was anything else that you wanted to add. Um. No, just want to add like. I do kind of wonder about his gun. I wonder if that's like a very specific Mandalorian weapon because all the bounty hunters do seem really impressed by the way that it just disintegrates people. The Swiss army um, gun. (laughs) Yeah. Swiss army rifle. (laughs) uh, Yeah. I call it the, the trident rifle. Yeah. 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 I wonder if we'll hear anything about that in the future or, uh, Is there anything you're expecting from the show at this point that's changed or or that you'd like to see? I I definitely want to see them explore a little bit more of uh, his tribe. Yeah, it feels like that's going to get put on hold for a little while while he's um, on the run. Yeah, but, but I'd be okay with that because right now I'm really looking forward to seeing his dealing with Gina Car- Car- uh, Carano's character. Yeah, and we still have Bill Burr's team that we saw in previews. Yeah, yeah, we need I, to see that. We need to see, uh, um, oh crap, Agent May's character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think this is the first point in the show where, like, I'm not 100% certain of what's going to happen next. Yeah. Like, from the first episode, 
at, from the end of the first episode, I was like, okay, yeah, he's going to take the baby back, and then he's not going to like it. He's going to steal the baby back, and for, probably, and then go on the run. And then but there's now, that. Yeah. Now, now your you know your your series is basically single dad on the run. Yeah, and now it's <laughs> yeah. Now I don't know where stuff's going to go exactly. Right. Very excited to see where it goes, though. Especially sure. if we see some like old rebel. Yeah, I'm curious, like what what rebel soldiers are doing post Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Do they just fall into rank with the old Republic? Do they become uh, mercenaries? Are they still doing rebel stuff just in different parts of the galaxy that the Republic won't go to? I wonder. I do wonder if we'll see some of that. Yeah. Or at least, at least hear about some of it. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what the rest of the series uh, has to offer. But uh, I think if we're done with that, I think we'll move on to our top five. Yes, our top five expanded universe slash legends characters. Um, now we had we had a little bit of a talk about this and kind of couple of ways we could have went with it. Um, the way I went with my list is that I was very specific that I only picked characters who were not in any movies um, and who, as far as I know, are still considered Legends characters and have not been in any... Um, have not been mentioned in any uh, movies or any of the animated series. One of these I might be wrong on, but for the most part, we're talking about characters, uh, at least on my list, that have not seen any uh, mentions outside of Legends. And I, I think my my list is the same. Okay, there might be. One or two that are questionable, but we'll see. Okay. Um, so let's start with... Um, let's go ahead and start with your number five. Okay. So I'm going to just clarify with my list that most of, my, most of the legend stuff that I got into was Old Republic-related stuff. Okay. Um, I'm actually not that familiar with the Timothy Zahn novels. Okay. Um, I've read uh, the main Thrawn trilogy. That's right. about... Right. I haven't gotten into, like, that big, long... Yeah. Uh, Craig Crucible series or something. There's a lot of stuff that, in the, like, OT uh, EU stuff I haven't read. Yeah. So... And, and I'd say that most... I, uh... Let's see... Yeah, one, two, three of my picks are all from Old Republic era. Okay, yeah, so we'll be pretty similar then. Yeah. So my number five, I put uh, Zane Carrick. Okay. Who is a uh, a character that shows up, I think, almost exclusively in the comics. Comics, uh... He's just in, he's just surrounded he's just involved in a story that I, I I read in the old Republic comics that I really liked. Um basically he's the the 
the lamest Jedi, <laughs> the lamest of the Padawans, yeah. who just sort of by chance survives this uh, the secret Jedi, secret bad Jedi plot to kill off a bunch of them. Um, and then he's sort of forced to go on the run and become a uh, basically con artist smuggler because he hides and it's a it's a pretty fun story um i should know the name of that arc <laughs> i don't remember it either but i know who you're talking about but uh but he's pretty fun and he's kind of like i think a quintessential star wars type character yeah especially yeah. an eu star wars type character yeah um my number 5 comes um if i'm remembering right almost exclusively from the uh old republic video game uh and my number 5 is tenebrae who is also known as lord vitiate uh who is also known as the sith emperor um, if you've ever played the, the MMO RPG, the old Republic, uh, and you, you hear them mention the Sith Emperor, uh, this is who they're talking about. He, uh, he was, his, his backstory is just, it's just amazing. He was, uh, found to be very powerful in the force, uh, at a, at a young age, he grew up in the very very old republic uh like the time when the sith were still hiding out on zeost and korriban um the dark lord of the sith at the time was marco ragnos and um he was he was young he uh found to be very powerful uh in in the dark side and marco ragnos uh at 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 you know, as a teenager, uh, or Vitiate was a, was a teenager, uh, gave him the title of Lord Vitiate, so made him a very young uh, Sith Lord. Um, and then he actually, like, when the um, when the forces of like Nagasadao and uh, the Republic fought, um, you know, they got into the big fight that that pretty much destroyed the Sith Empire. Uh, he he disappeared. Um, he, he didn't get involved in that fight. He he disappeared and, and actually found a new Sith homeworld uh, called Drummond Cass, um, which you visit quite often in that game. Um, but I just liked, I like the character's backstory and, and I like... Um, Um, I just like the whole, uh, the whole essence of this character. He's a very class. I don't know about classic, but he, he's very, uh, much more on the side of like fantasy magic King wizard, I guess. Yeah. A little bit. Than, than like more traditional some of the more traditional sci-fi elements that we see in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely a different and and you don't even 
Like in the game, you don't even see them that often. No. If you do, uh, you know. He doesn't – he doesn't – I think he shows up a lot like in mentions, but you don't really see him until I think one of the uh, later expansions on – Yeah. Sword yeah. Tour, right? It's in, it's in one of the expansions where you actually get to see him. And it's like a young version of him, isn't it? Um, no, not really. He's he's not really young. It's just he's uh, less old. Well, you got to keep in mind that this guy has lived for millennia. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you know he's he's lived a long time. So he's the fact you know what what constitutes old for him. There's no telling. Uh, he he does have he he does end up having children, which is um, part of the the story in that in that expansion. Um, but in any case, that's that's my number five as far as favorite EU characters go, uh, which brings us to number four. All right, and my number four is uh, Tag and Bink. Okay, who are <laughs> Um, there was a comic book series that came out, um, I'll say late nineties, early two thousands. And it's basically just two dumb stormtroopers (laughs) who are just always in the background of the entire original trilogy. (laughs) Yeah. And it's. It's it's kind of like it, it is a big like joke comic, comic, yeah. but it's kind of the old, the old old sort of like Star Wars, uh, tongue in cheek stuff that I like, yeah, like from back in the day. And I I had totally forgotten about those, but that's that's a that's a great pick. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, if you can, I think the comic is just called Tag and Bink, Bink, and you can find it on the uh, the Marvel Unlimited. Uh, app now yeah yeah so it's it's pretty easy to find and it's it's a fun read yeah that's good definitely and then there's a what wasn't there uh was it a limited series or a one shot or something that was uh yeah <clears throat> redid it. tag tag and bink are dead yeah 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 oh uh, yeah because they're um yeah they're because <laughs> yeah because it's like a rosenstern and Krantz sort of <laughs> Yeah. Sort of thing going on with them, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, within the last few years, I think they did a new tag and bink comic. Yeah. Um. So my number four uh, is a name that uh, I'm sure all of you have heard, and that would be Mara Jade. Um. I really liked her character in the Thrawn trilogy. Uh, I liked her character in the, uh, let's just say I liked her as a bad guy. I liked her as a good guy. Um, you know, she was originally, um, one of the emperor's hands, uh, shows up in the Thrawn trilogy as, uh, one of Talon cards. Who's a, who's a smuggler, uh, crime Lord type. Uh, and she basically, she's got this mission to kill, Luke Skywalker, um, which interestingly turns out she ends up marrying Luke Skywalker. Um, and then, you know, she was also in the, the new Jedi order, 
series when they uh, when they fought off the Yojin Vong. Um, so she's been she's been in a lot, and there's been a lot of speculation as to whether or not they're going to make her canon at some point. Um, at this point, I'm not sure how that would work. Um, yeah. I, I think I said before, the only thing I think would make sense is just to show her, like, during her time as the Emperor's Hand. Yeah. And just sort of doing his dirty work during that time period. Yeah. And then you could maybe have her encounter Luke Skywalker. I think you still do a, a romance, but obviously yeah. you can't have, like, yeah. Yeah. a marriage anymore. Well, I mean, there's always the possibility that they did get married and she died prior to like, like maybe she's one of the people that dies, uh, at the new temple. Yeah. Or she's just like, I mean, that would bring, um, that would bring more reason to the fact that Luke decided to disappear. He was just distraught. Not only did he lose his best student, but he lost his wife as well. Yeah, I I kind of feel like you're. It's putting too much like. Uh, yeah. Why wouldn't that be said in the movie? Yeah, I mean it's reaching. But I, if, I think you have to you have to end their romance like. If they have a romance at all, it has to be sort of off and on. Yeah. During the uh, the original trilogy or in between, and it has to be cut off at some point before the Force Awakens. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, so I would I, be I think, fi- I'd be fine with it either way if they did introduce her into canon somehow or if they didn't. But if they were going to introduce it, they would they would have to be uh very careful into how they do it. Because they yeah. don't want to seem too dumb. <laughs> Yeah, I just yeah, I don't know. I just kind of wonder if it's even worthwhile while to try and do that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I could I could see that. Um, so what's your uh, what's your number three? Uh, so my number three is I'm pretty sure this is just legends, but HK four seven from uh, the Knights of the Old Republic game. He is uh, the hunter-killer droid. Yeah. Right? Who is always calling your character um, a flesh bag. Or calls all humans (laughs) flesh bags, basically. I remember that. He is the... I I, I actually think he's probably the original, like, openly hostile, helpful droid. Yeah. Right? In the the Star Wars canon. Um... But yeah, I think he's he's just like a fun change up on what we've seen some droids before, or um, you know, obviously in the movies, C three PO and R two D two are funny, a little bit frustrating at times, but ultimately helpful and nice. And I think that still continues in the EU novels, unless they're like a literal uh, bounty hunter droids. Yeah, is he supposed to be? But I think as far as like fully fleshing out that sort of character. Character that's that's what HK forty seven is. Yeah, I mean he's a little one note, but yeah. that note is still really fun and really welcome at certain points in the game in that in that campaign. 
Yeah, I can see that. Um, my number three, and th- this is the one I'm, I'm not a hundred percent on, uh, as far as whether or not he has been mentioned in canon. And the, and the more I think about it, I think he might have had a mention somewhere. Um, so I don't know if this counts, but, uh, I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, Darth Ravon. Um, who showed up uh, also in the um, more or less showed up in the Knights of the Old Republic video game. Um, but the story behind him is he was a he was an Old Republic um, soldier, uh, a Jedi Knight, and he goes off to fight in the Mandalorian Wars. And ends up getting seduced by the dark side and becomes Darth Ravon, uh, and then is presumably killed by his apprentice, uh, Darth Malak, uh, who is also a former uh, Jedi Knight who was seduced at the same time. Um, so he's he's presumably killed, and then brought back to life, uh, or or you know with a new memory. Um, as as a Jedi Knight again, and um, in the Knights of the Old Republic game, you are actually playing as him. Um, but then they also did some uh, I, 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 there was a novel about him that was written oh uh, oh, I think it's just called. Uh, yeah, I think it's. I think it's, it's just called. called yeah, I think it's just called Darth Vaughn, uh, or or you, you might be right. It might just be Revan. Um, and it was written. Ah, man, it was written in. Around twenty ten, maybe, maybe maybe older than that. Uh. Uh, just a little bit before the game yeah. came out, the uh, yeah, the Star Wars: The Old Republic. Yeah, 2011 that came out, uh, written by Drew uh, Carpishan, who did right. a lot of the Old Republic stories. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I like the reason I like him um, was kind of this, uh, mostly because of kind of the story of redemption. You know, that you you turn your back on what you believe, uh, but then there's always this chance of redeeming yourself and, and uh, yeah, making things right. Yeah, which is a very... Uh classic sort of star wars um storyline yeah or line or uh theme is the is redemption yes and i'll hear about that on another character on my list but uh so that brings us to number two yep yeah uh and my number two is uh jolie bendo <laughs> okay 
the I <laughs> the uh, um, I, I'm sort of throwing him in there with uh, with Kreia as well. Well, from the uh, Knights of the Old Republic series. Yeah. It's because I think <laughs> just all of the mentors you run into in those games present really interesting ideas about the Force and, um, and sort of like moral and ethical philosophy, philosophy within, yeah. uh, within, the star, within the realm of Star Wars and the Force and what it means for your character. And Jolie Bindo is probably the most no-nonsense uh, sort of figure you meet. Yeah. Meet in there. And I know, like, with some people talk about, like, Grey Jedi, and I know, like, online, mm-hmm. people who talk about Grey Jedi get sort of knocked around a lot because they always envision just, like, super cool anti-hero who uses Force Lightning but doesn't suffer any negative effects from it. Yeah. Which really... Jolie Bindo is what a gray Jedi is. Yeah. yeah. He is just someone that that is not super beholden beholden to all the ways of the ways of the uh the Jedi Order. Well, I think I, yeah. You could probably look back and see that uh he's not he's probably just perfectly fine. He's just someone that doesn't basic that basically just doesn't like the church. I mean, kind of like, uh, in some ways, kind of like Qui Gon John, Qui Gon Jinn. Yeah, yeah, he is. It, yeah, I mean, because that's when I hear about gray Jedi, that's who I think of. Yeah, I, I think it's not someone who's making morally questionable choices. Right. It's someone who is not um, adhering to a strict uh, ideology. Right. While you all trying to still do the will of the Force. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my number two is uh, almost for the same reasons that uh, Darth Ravon was my number three. Um, and this character comes from the Old Republic comic books. Um, and his name is Ulick Queldrama. Um, he was also a Jedi who um, goes off to fight uh, in this in this war, and he's he's uh, he decides that the best way to to find out how to fight this group of of dark siders called the Kraith or, or Krath, depending on how you want to pronounce it, uh, he discovers that the best, or, or he thinks to himself, the best way to find out how to fight them is to join them. And, and discover their secrets and then use those secrets against them. Um, and, and of course that does not, does not work well. He ends up actually becoming uh, a dark sider. Um, ultimately defeating, uh, the craft, uh, itself when he joins up with, um, Exar Kun, who is the dark Lord of the Sith and becomes his, his apprentice. Uh, so he he does some some pretty nasty stuff as a dark sider uh one thing um of note is is that he kills his brother uh who's another jedi um during the course of this war and and then 
you know, he's he's caught and uh the the character Nomi Sunrider like cuts him off from the force. Like like he's not he can't feel the force anymore. So he at this point he he, he disappears into uh well we don't know where all he's been really, but he, he ends up disappearing finally to this ice planet and it's it's many years later. He's much older. Uh, of course, he's not a Jedi, but he does have a lightsaber still. Um, and uh, Nomi Sunrider's daughter ends up seeking him out because his his mother or her mother is uh, too caught up in being uh, being a politician to to train her. So she seeks out uh, Uluk to train her and eventually finding um, him on this ice planet. And he trains her, you know, after some, some uh, uh, argument, you know, not, I'm not a Jedi anymore, kind of, you know, sort of thing. And, uh, and so through training her, um, you know, he doesn't, He's, you know, it's kind of hard to train a person when you don't have the force anymore, I guess. <laughs> and uh, but he trains her, and and through these actions, uh, he gets his redemption. Uh, and then when he is, he is, uh, we'll call it accidentally killed. He, they, there's, it's, it's just, it's a really random person that kills him, and they do it because out of out of seeking glory. Oh, I killed this famous person that's been wanted by the Republic for so long. And at this point they've already decided, okay, he's he's okay now. And and then like right after they, they make amends, you know, he and and Nobi Sumrider uh make amends, uh he's killed. And then he he actually his redemption is shown uh in the fact that he becomes one with the force so i think and that's the uh tales of the jedi series isn't it it is yes yeah i I haven't read that i'm gonna have to check that out yeah if you if you ever want to head up this way i can let you borrow it because i've got the whole series yeah because i think the uh the audio is uh abridged so i might want to i want to do that okay um, yeah, good, mine, good series. Let's see, my number one. I may be accused of not taking this list seriously, <laughs> but anyone who <laughs> accuses me of that can go, uh, go, uh, you know, eat a carrot for all I care. Okay. <laughs> my number one is Jackson with two X's from the original, uh, Star Wars comic book series. Jackson is a race, comes from a race of Lepi, which is basically a green rabbit that shows up in the early Star Wars comics because they didn't know what they were doing or what this was. He is basically the original Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. As far as, like, inserting a cartoon character into Star Wars because you don't know how else to appeal to children. 
Yeah. He's literally just like Bugs Bunny. <laughs> and, you, and, and Star Wars. You, you know what I was going to say is he is essentially a cross between Bugs Bunny, mm-hmm. uh, Howard the Duck, yeah, and Rocket Raccoon. Yeah, that's a really good description. <laughs> and it is... If there is an era of, like, Star Wars between, like, 1977 and maybe 1980, where it just feels like they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't know what to do with this property. That's when we have, like, Splinter of the Mind's Eye novel. Yeah, yeah. Where Luke and Leia get it on. And... And Ugh. and that that thing's all weird, and like and Jackson. This is where uh, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Jabba the Hutt shows up. Okay. And they still think he's just like a big, a big Irish guy in in <laughs> yeah. uh, a brown fur coat. Like uh, he is just like. Jackson just sort of represents uh, trash Star Wars <laughs> at its at its weirdest, and that's why I like him. Um, he's only in like I think maybe ten, not even ten comics of that yeah. original run, probably fewer. Yeah, but he stands out and he's a mess, and I'm glad that they still throw him on variant covers just to not <laughs> let just to not let people forget. That Jackson existed. He yeah. ruined Star Wars long before anything you're worried about. Well, long before Jar Jar Binks ever made his face shown. <laughs> or he was there before people complained about Ewoks. Listen. That's he's... true. Anyway, that's yeah, – <laughs> I, I like I like that janky uh, Star Wars junk. and. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's exactly what Jackson is. That, that's a that's that's you know not a choice for number one I would have ever thought, but that's just uh, that's just awesome. <laughs> he's he's the most amusing to like put on stuff and yeah. to show around and have people ask what what is that? Star like, what? Wars? Don't you recognize Star Wars? The green <laughs> Rabbit from Star Wars? Oh man. Okay, my hmm, well. My number one is not nearly as fun after hearing that. Uh, my number one Legends character comes from a comic book series uh, that takes place after Return of the Jedi. Uh, the comic book series is called Crimson Empire. And the character is Kanos. He is, uh, he is just a badass. He is, you know, I got to say the Mandalorian is giving us a lot of the stuff that I liked about Kirkanos. He, he's just a badass. He like just went in, he just goes in and, and, and rips squads of stormtroopers apart and and then you know his backstory this is a this is a former imperial guard you get to learn more about the imperial guards through his story cuz cuz up to this point you know the only thing you know about him is that there's these 
these guys, these, these fruity looking guys in, in red robes, you know, you have no idea what, what they're, what they're about. They're just these guys standing around in these robes and, uh, and, and they, you know, Kirk Anos's story in Crimson Eye or, uh, Empire gives them more meaning, uh, and it's just, yeah, he was, he's just amazing. They did, they did three, uh, three separate or story arcs. They did, you know, Crimson Empire, Crimson Empire 2 and Crimson Empire 3, uh, which they didn't need to do. But, but overall, uh, as a character, he is, he is my, uh, favorite, uh, Legends character. And he is kind of like the quintessential like 90s star wars guy yeah like he's not like dash rendar and kyle katarn i probably i think it mentioned more with eu stuff yeah but kier kanos really represents along with maybe boba fett like 90s gritty cool star wars stuff yeah like let's see some star wars guys just murder people yeah yeah and yeah, because I, cause I think, doesn't he run into, um, I feel like I, I read a, a comic with him running into uh, Aura Singh? Does that happen? Uh, I think it's different. I, no, this is a different time period. Okay. Yeah, this this, this, place, they, this takes place after Jedi. But But either way, yeah, he is... He is super cool. Yeah. And as much as like I make fun of like nineties cool stuff, like I like that stuff in comics. Yeah. And that's exactly where it fits. Yeah. Kirkanos belongs in the comic called yeah. Crimson Empire. Yeah, I, d- I wouldn't want to see him in a movie per se. Uh but the Mandalorian takes a lot of what Kirkanos was mm-hmm. and kind of puts it in that live action feel. Um, yeah. So I, so I think that's a... go ahead. I was going to say, that's probably the closest you're going to get. The Mandalorian is probably the closest you're going to get to like a star Wars badass on screen. Just sure. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so that, that was our list. I, you know, while going through this list, I realized that there's a character that, uh, if I'd have given this list a little bit more thought, probably would have ended up on the list. Uh, and that would have been Darth Bane. You know, I had Darth Bane on there for a little while. While too. Um, I, I am, uh, I'm really surprised that he did not show up on my list. I'm looking at this list that I wrote on a notepad document in front of me and I'm like, why is Darth Bane not on here? Uh, but I guess we could just list him as an honorable mention. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I might even bump out Zane Carrick for Darth Bane. I think Darth Bane has a lot more interesting I, stuff going on. Yeah, but, I'm, I might bump out Vitiate for for him, but it is what it is. We did what we did. Listen, listen we've done it. There's no taking it back. <laughs> yes. These are our top five lists. These are our five. And we cannot change them anymore, ever again. <laughs> if anyone asks us what our top five Legends characters are, we have this to is it. always be with them. <laughs> oh, man. 
So, uh, so next week, uh, our list is going to be our top five original trilogy moments. So maybe you want to explain what we mean by that. Yeah. So I think leading up to the opening week of rise of Skywalker, mm-hmm. we're going to do lists having to do with, uh, each of the original, uh, each of the tr- movie trilogies. Yeah. And so I think by moments, we're going to be looking at, uh, scenes, yeah. Scenes that really impacted us, fights that really meant a lot to us. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. It's the thing that happens within within the time frame and text of those films that yes. impacts us the most or that we take something from, whether it is yeah. intended by the movie or whether it's something personal that we put onto the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, we'll do our top five original trilogy uh, moments next week uh, in addition to doing our recap of uh, chapter four of the Mandalorian um, I think I think that's it unless there's anything else you wanted to close us out on no, I think it's so uh, that's what we have planned for the week Um and I have to go uh, rewatch the original trilogy, I guess. So we <laughs> might start make work on my list. I guess we pity, do. Pity <laughs> me. All right. McClunky. McClunky. <laughs> All right. Well, that is, uh, I guess that wraps it up for episode two of Rogue One Radio. Uh, be sure to catch us next week. Um, and... Uh, Tell all your friends about us. And and if you are on uh, Apple Podcasts, um, be sure to, to leave a comment and, and rate us and, and give us some good feels. Um, but that's, uh, that's it for today. We will see you next time. I uh, guess that's it. Oh, 